Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time it is when this hits your ears. I'm your host, Catherine, psychic medium, self-worth coach, and true crime addict. Before I get started, I want to number one, ask that you give this a rating and review on iTunes so that each victim story can be heard by more listeners. And number two, I would like to say that anything that you hear on this show will have source materials linked in show notes. My feelings on each case are based on intuitive hits and downloads, and everyone is innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. With that being said, this episode covers the vanishing of Ameta Jean Dumas, known as Jean, to her loved ones and friends. Our story takes us to the state of Alabama, to Fairfield, part of the city of Birmingham, where 32-year-old Ameta Jean Dumas was last seen on August 1st, 1980. Jane was estranged from her current husband, Leroy, with whom she shared an 11-month-old daughter. Leroy was no longer living with his daughter and Jean, but the three of them had plans to go buy some baby shoes for the little girl that day. The story goes that Leroy had come by to get the two of them around 6.30, and I'll admit that I have no familiarity with the state of Alabama, but there has been speculation that this route seems peculiar and that none of it is all that close together, and it seems strange that he would go this way. Regardless, Leroy claims that they left Jean's home around 6.30 p.m. and they drove to a place called Roebuck Shopping Center, which appears to be about 20 minutes away from the center of Fairfield. From there, they went to Brookwood Village, where they bought shoes for the baby, about 50 to 20 minutes from Roebuck, but kind of back in the direction they originally came from. And then from Brookwood Village, according to Leroy, they grabbed a hamburger on Green Springs Highway, about 8 to 10 minutes from Brookwood and then 15 minutes back to Fairfield. So we're looking at 20 minutes to get from Fairfield to Roebuck, maybe there by 6.50 p.m. Look around for a bit. I'm not sure. Maybe they were looking for shoes there or someone had another errand to run that wasn't mentioned. Then 20 minutes to Brookwood, even if they were at Roebuck for like five minutes, that puts them at Brookwood Village around 7.25 at the very earliest. And if they found she was like fast, really fast, which most women wouldn't, especially when you're shopping for a little baby girl. You just never know though. So maybe she knew the exact pair she was looking for. Let's say 10 minutes to get in, buy shoes and go. And that's really doing a favor on time. Then we're already at about 7.35 to leave for a 10 minute drive to get to Green Springs for a burger, arriving around 7.45. And even if it was fast food, which we don't know if it was or not, maybe 20 minutes to eat really, really quickly if it was fast food. I mean, if you order like a well-done cheeseburger, it's not going to take 20 minutes start to finish from the time you walk in, right? So anyway, she'd be back in the car by around 8.05 if it was a really quick experience and then home by 8.25, 8.30. Then Leroy says he stayed there for about 30 minutes before leaving, which puts us at about 9 p.m. now. Why am I bothering to go over this timeline for you? Should you rewind and grab a notepad and a pen to see it all for yourself? Maybe. But while Jean was not only going to see her estranged husband that evening to buy shoes for their little girl, she was also supposed to be seeing her ex-husband, Warren King, for dinner. At about 9 p.m. now, it seems kind of late for dinner for sure, but I don't know. Maybe her intention was for the baby to be asleep and that was their plan. I've eaten meals with my husband super late just to eat in peace without my kids asking for a taste or making insane noises during dinner. You know, you just want that peace and quiet with your significant other. Or maybe she didn't even eat with Leroy when they grabbed burgers and just he did. I don't know. But Leroy tells police that he and Jean had no arguments 
and that she had told him flat out she was going to have dinner with Warren that evening. The thing is, though, Jean never showed up. And on the next morning, August 2nd, 1980, her sister Nadine drove over to her house to pick her up. The two of them were supposed to go shopping with their mom that day, and this had been arranged the day before when her parents had supposedly seen her with her daughter and Leroy. When Nadine arrived to Jean's house, Jean's car was still there, and the door was locked. The door to the home, I mean. The door had to be locked from inside as well as from the outside, and on the inside was their baby girl, crying, naked, with an empty bottle and a dirty diaper lying nearby, but no Jean. It would later be found that Jean's keys were missing, and so was her bedspread. Nadine noticed two stains on the floor near the bed that police had insisted were not blood, were not blood, were not blood, and it's been speculated by others that police even told her that it was juice. Now, I'm not sure if these stains were ever tested. There's conflicting information about that, but it feels like they were shrugged off, and frankly, I have no idea what kind of testing options were even available in the 80s. In addition to the stains, the missing keys, and the missing bedspread, according to Nadine, there is a strong smell of, quote, chemicals in the home, which would definitely set me off being someone's sister and not being able to find my sister having her crying baby on the floor and the door locked from both the in and outside. It just, the whole thing would have all the alarm bells going off, right? So when police spoke to Warren, her ex-husband, he told them that yes, in fact, he and Jean did have plans for dinner that evening, but he couldn't get a hold of her. And in an odd description of events, I say odd very lightly, he says that he gave up hope on trying to get a hold of her by 6.30 in the morning of the 2nd. I feel like maybe go check on her if you're that concerned or call the police if it's that far into the night and you haven't heard from her. I don't know. This just seems weird to me that no one went to check on her, but maybe they did and we just don't have information on it. There's so little information on this case available to the public that I don't have much to go on that is actually fact, only what my intuition tells me and what a couple of online sources have, which as you know, we will get to the intuition. I rarely visit sites like Reddit to read those threads as they can be full of theories with little evidence, at least until I have really fully felt into the case. And then sometimes I go scope out who else kind of thinks the same thing or what have I picked up on that other people suspect as well. In this instance, Reddit was one of the few hits I could even find about Jean. In the only discussion about her, there was a poster claiming to be the granddaughter of Jean's sister Nadine. And she was actually verified by Reddit to be who she claimed to be and that the information she provided offered some new insight that would have only been available to her family. According to the poster, who can only be identified by her her posting name, her handle, her whatever, it was DM Curry One or D McCurry One. She believes her family and the local police mishandled Jean's disappearance from the very beginning, and she talks about how she wishes her grandmother would have done more. This is Nadine. She talks about how she was told, Nadine was told to leave it to her father to handle, and the stain that was mentioned earlier was said to have never been tested by police, but she isn't able to say with 100% certainty, like I said, that it was never tested. Leroy still had a key to the house, but it's clear that that may not even matter as Jean's keys were missing along with her bedspread, so anyone could have taken her keys, locked it from the inside, and taken her with them. 
Leroy never came around to raise his daughter after Jean disappeared. And supposedly she was even afraid of him and of Warren. She told Nadine that if anything ever happened to her, not to let her daughter go near Leroy or near Warren. And it sounds to me that she didn't trust either of these men. And then to flip back to Warren, he evidently inserted himself back into the lives of Jean's family after her disappearance. And it's worth noting, too, that he told Nadine, I hope no one hides her body under my house to make it look like I did it. I mean, who says that? Warren was unfortunately shot and killed 14 years later with a weapon that was never found. He was being indicted in a trial rigging conspiracy with former circuit judge Jack Montgomery. Jack was also killed under mysterious circumstances later that year, which is a story for another episode, but we will touch on it briefly in this one. And I want to take a second to stop here and talk about our Patreon. We do have a $5 tier to donate to support the show, and then from $9 and up, you can receive journaling prompts, soon daily affirmations, and from there, tiers include bonus information, connecting with spirits of those we discuss in some of these cases, self-care workshops, and weekly monthly intuitive guidance. Again, $5 is the entry-level tier, and I am so grateful for those of you who continue to listen to the show, and especially to those who pledge the show monthly and help to get these stories out to the general public. I cannot express my gratitude enough, and I can't wait to see more of you in our monthly meetings. That being said, I really feel that those of you who are drawn to the true crime community, you also need to be very careful with your energy, and that's what our Patreon aims to do, to encourage you to take care of yourself and to really keep your vibe up and do that introspective work that allows you to continue to grow. And now back to murder and mediumship. As I said, Jack Montgomery also was killed under mysterious circumstances later that year. And with both men looking like perfect suspects in the disappearance and probable death of Ameda Jean Dumas, I'll tell you what I feel happened. I feel that Leroy did show up to take her for a shopping trip. And some have theorized that he was driving around so much to make sure that he was seen to ensure that he had an alibi for Jean's disappearance. However, I feel he was driving around so much and stalling to delay her from meeting up with Warren. Just to be petty, like, you're not going to go meet up with your ex-husband, I'm going to make you stall, and you won't even be able to go out or whatever his plan was. I think that there was a lot of jealousy coming from both men, and that either one of them ultimately could have hurt her, but that only one of them did. I can almost feel her annoyance with Leroy while he eats his burger and she continually checks the time, knowing that Warren would be frustrated with her if she were to be late. Leroy really didn't care about anyone except for Leroy. And once he dropped her off, I'm not exactly sure how it unfolded. As I've said before, psychic visions don't necessarily show full detail, but glimpses into events, energies, feelings, thoughts, and so on. I see Warren sending someone to her, though. I feel that he had told her not to see Leroy anymore, that neither man wanted her seeing the other, and it feels largely territorial. I get the sense that there was violence in her relationship before with Warren, and that when it started to get uncomfortable with Leroy, she didn't hesitate to get Leroy out of the house. It was kind of showing those red flags of like, I've been here, I've done this, I don't want to do this again. So the thing is, though, that Warren had more connections than Leroy did, and I say this because I don't think he actually showed up there. I did at first, but the more I felt into it, the more 
the more I connected with Jean, the more I really felt that there was so much going on here than I really was seeing at first. And I feel like there's still a lot more to feel into around this case, but that it's not for me, at least not yet. I feel the presence of at least two males. And what Jean shows me is what appears to be a silencer and a handgun. But I don't think she was shot in the home, merely threatened with the weapon. But that in the bedroom, she was struck over the head and rolled up onto the bedspread and taken out to the vehicle that they had arrived in. I think that they took her keys to lock the door to ensure the child would be safe in the home, but more so mostly to make it look like someone with keys, like Leroy, had done it. And it feels quick. They watched and waited for their opportunity, and then they took it. The planned dinner with Warren feels like it was a ruse, and it would guarantee that she would be home preparing to go meet him so that opportunity could be taken. Warren also knew that Jean would be with Leroy that day and couldn't have hoped for someone to connect her disappearance to him. Well, they couldn't connect it to Leroy, they wouldn't connect it to Warren either, because Warren had friends in high places. I couldn't tell you exactly what Warren's involvement was in the 80s, but in 1994, he was indicted in a trial-rigging conspiracy with former circuit judge Jack Montgomery. At the time, Warren was a bail bondsman and allegedly was in dirty with the judge. Warren was shot and killed in 1994 before he could be sentenced, and while his wife was charged with his murder, she took a best interest plea and continued to maintain her innocence. However, I don't believe she was responsible for his death either, which again is a rabbit hole we're not going to dive into here. The former judge knew that he would likely be convicted for racketeering and extortion, but also died a somewhat mysterious death in 1994. And in the 80s, Judge Jack Montgomery was a district court judge. I feel that his shady workings were already underway to some capacity at this time, maybe just on a smaller scale. Some people will do anything to cover their tracks. And when I say that he was shady, I mean that he was taking bribes from bondsmen like Warren, from top drug dealers to sway their trials to go one way or another. And the FBI actually raided his home and found $31,000 in cash that was taken as bribe money. As for Jean, as far as I can see, I feel Warren was responsible and I also do not feel we will find her, nor could I tell you exactly where she is. I believe that her killer had killed before, that Warren may not have even been there in person, but did have something to do with her death. I do not believe that justice will be done, but that these are the types of people who would serve time for other crimes throughout their lives. And as for Jean's family, I can feel tears in her eyes as she thanks them for taking care of her daughter. She is beyond grateful that Leroy didn't come back for her daughter and that she was able to be raised and loved by her family. As for any closure in this case, I think the only closure the family can get is knowing that Warren met a horrific death as well. I also believe that there were a lot more people involved with Warren than we could ever even put a finger on. And so there's a lot of conspiracy behind all of this. There's dirty government involved and there's so much more connected here than I'm willing to even look into, to be completely honest. But all in all, Jean was done wrong, and the police didn't look into her case as much as they could have or should have, just because somebody else was higher up, and just because somebody else had strings to pull. And her family, why they didn't look farther into it, why they didn't push, that I truly believe 
is because they knew that the people that she had been involved with, like Leroy, was a very violent person and that he wouldn't hesitate to hurt them. But even then, even though it wasn't him, Warren too would have done anything just to clear his name and stay up to his dirty deeds as well. So with that being said, if you all know anything about the disappearance of Ameda Jean Dumas, I know that her family is still looking for her and that many of them wonder if if there's more that they could have done in finding justice for their great aunt, for their sister, for their friend, for their mother. So I hope that you all have a wonderful day today. I hope that if anything strikes you, you contact the Birmingham Police Department. And if not, just share the story. Share the story and spread her voice so that her story is known rather than covered up by the dirty misgivings of a judge in Alabama. Thanks for listening to Murder and Mediumship, and hopefully I'll see some of your beautiful faces on our Patreon this month. Bye, friends.